Good morning, good afternoon to everyone. Thank you so much for joining into episode five of the Croydon Corner Football Show. Today, I am here with coach Aaron Hughes, who works with Palace for Life Foundation, and I am ever so grateful to have you on. Thank you, Aaron. Oh, you're welcome. Morning. Yeah, really happy to be involved. So, uh, really good, cool thing you're doing. So, if I can, if I can be of any help, then happy to to get involved and, and help help the. That's a really good idea. Talking is the best thing we can do, I think, for mental health. So, brilliant stuff. Thank you so much. So, Aaron, to start off with, could you tell me, um, you know, your introduction to football? What really got you into football when you were younger? Yeah. So, like most. Uh, young boys when I was young, a long time ago when I started playing, it was mostly boys then, more girls are playing now, right? But just the same sort of story, I think, as most most people, you know, everyone sort of played football on the streets. So that was the first, that was my first sort of steps, falling in love with the game just by playing it on the streets, watching it on the TV. Um, joining a little local football team, so grassroots football, really enjoying that, playing with your friends, things like that. And then I've kind of just been playing, you know, never really stopped playing since then. Also got into coaching, as you know, of course, um, as I got a little bit older. But yeah, it's just started from just love, love of the game, join a little local team, really enjoy that, the social side of things that comes with that as well. So it becomes a big part of, uh, if you love football like I do, it, comes, it becomes a big part of your weekly sort of life. You know, you're watching a lot of football, playing football, talking about football, coaching, so... No, 100%. Do you feel like, um, you know, being a player, that's inspired you to become a coach? I think, it, yeah, love, love of the game, really. I think that's the, that's the key thing. Love the game. Um, and as I got older, the other thing I really enjoyed was, you know, the idea that you can help someone to improve. You can play maybe a small role, small part in that. That's really rewarding. I really found it really rewarding. So when even when I was at school, I kind of was interested in coaching. I remember being year, maybe year 10, 11 and, and working with the younger age groups, 9, 10. We did a couple of really, really bad sessions for them. We put on really poor looking back, but the interest was there. So it's just the love of those two things, I think. Passion for football and then the idea that you can help somebody was a really, reward, a really rewarding thing to try and do. For sure. Like, would you have any, you know, memorable moments or any highlights, you know, within your coaching career? Lots of lots of little ones. So one of one of the main reasons, again, to go and coach is to, like I said, help people develop. So when you see that and you it's all it, they've made the big steps. It's not it's not, you know, you play maybe a small, tiny part in their development. But. If you see something, it could be quite small. You know, they're working on a particular part of their game, and you've worked with them one to one, and you maybe see that in a game. You know, after a few months of working, you see something that they 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 start to improve on. You see that in a game. That's that's amazing from a coach's point of view. So lots of little things like that. I've I've, I've kind of really enjoyed. So there was a little. I started with my little local team. I started coaching with a team when I was when they was sort of seven eight years old. And they're like 17 now. So I've been with that team the whole time. So some of the, when they were very young, uh, physically, really, really nice boys. So some of them physically found the game a little bit difficult in terms of competing and they didn't want to upset their opponents. So working on things, just how you use your body in football, you know, how to shield the ball, just the kind of simple stuff. But now when you see them, they 
some of them have grown it all taller than me now which is isn't that hard but but all kind of you must be so proud of you know <clears throat> from such a young age growing exactly yeah just being a part of that journey exactly that's what i mean you see them now they're able to get monsters they they're able to dominate physically things like that so things like that are really nice my little team won the league last year so although i've never been obsessed with when i've always tried to you know put the players first is what what they get out of it first but the big thing for me as a coach as well was the opportunity to try to provide them help help provide them with a really positive experience their football experience they look back on it and they say Do you know what that team it was, it was a nice team to play in you know, i felt wanted important and we did well at the moments where we won things for them it's a big deal so to be able to be a part of that to give them some memories to look back on i really love that as well so throughout your coaching journey, how do you keep players motivated? How do you keep them focused during the game? You know, we see the rewards and the success that they eventually get out, but during the tough times, how do you keep them focused? Yeah, communication. Well, I don't think it's too difficult to keep them motivated. Generally speaking, people want to do well, I think. Of course, they want to do well. Nobody wants to make mistakes and be the worst player, you know, all those things. They, they, I mean, we were quite picky, not, not, not picky is not the right word, but whenever we were looking at new players for our team, if I'm talking about my grassroots team I've been working with, the first thing is always about attitude, mentality. We looked at them as, you know, are they, not necessarily if they're the best football players or anything, but they've got a good mentality, good attitude. If they've got that, generally, they're going to try their best, things like that. They're going to be quite natural for them. But to keep them motivated, there's little things you can do. I mean, uh, challenges are really good to use it before games, individual challenges. So if there's something you want to, uh, uh, an individual to do specifically, give them specific challenges so that it just gets them focused on that. Um, there's little little tips and things like that you can do. Um, but yeah, making them feel, I think confidence is a big part of it. I think if, yeah. if somebody's not really playing that well, it's normally their confidence is, is down rather than they don't care. I think that's quite rare. So yeah, just trying and to keep them motivated and confident. Sorry. Hundred percent. No. Um, I think like you're saying, you know, being a part of a team does definitely help your confidence mm. and keeping that high. And when you are confident, I feel like the other factors all you know fall in play. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, confidence is a big thing in, in life, right? But it's in football massively. Yeah, it makes a massive difference. Did you have any strategies that you use to develop teamwork amongst the players? Um. We kind of always try to, with, with the teams I've worked with, try to do do things away from football. So team bonding things always help. Kind of do some, you know, back in the day, we just do basic stuff, uh, uh, little, little uh, trips or things like that. Uh, we went to, um, uh, what was it called? One of those uh, escape room type things. We did that with the team a little while ago. So, you know, they don't really. I don't think they really are conscious of it. But actually, it's, it's actually team team bonding, team building. They get to talk to each other, get to know each other a little bit more away from the pitch, and have to work together, communicate together. Which they're sort of 16, 17 now, so that's kind of they're quite pretty quiet actually. They're, they're terrified of being embarrassed and and, and that kind of. Thing. So that really helps break down things like that. With all the sessions, if, whenever we're we're doing sessions, I try to ask a lot of questions give them the problems to try and solve themselves rather than me just try and tell them all the answers. So I'll give them a problem and then go and ask them to go and discuss it in groups, things like that. I think are good for 
communication, big part of that. 100%. So how do you approach game planning and preparing your team for different opponents? Yes, you know, that's, that's hard trying to figure out who's going to be lining up. It's tricky because we haven't got Sky Sports of all the analysis and things, so it's difficult to know exactly. You know, if you play, obviously, you play teams twice during the year, so from the first game, you learn a lot. Okay. And then it's, yeah, you pick things up from the first game. You Every opponent's different, different uh, styles, different players. So if they've got a really good, uh, let's say, a really good forward player is really fast, then there's little things we want to change. So <clears throat> adapt how we deal with that. If they've got a tricky player who plays out wide, we don't want to have our right back, for example, if they're playing on the left side of attack. We don't want our right back being isolated in 1v1. So it'd just be little adjustments talking to the right back about getting him onto his weak foot. The centre back that's close to the right back not being too too far away. So we're kind of almost doubling up on him at times. So little details like that, you can adapt, little tactical twe uh, tweaks. <clears throat> but the big... The big um, the big sort of ideas on the game, I say we stay the same, but it's just the little, little things, how to how to minimise their their uh, strengths, you know, and try to nullify their, their strengths, really. 100%. Like in our league, we don't have VAR, so would you say that, you know, we, we have notes, we just write down little things, or we yeah. kind of just try and remember the game that we played last year and kind of go off that? Yeah, I, I wouldn't trust my memory. So making notes, notes is a really good idea. Yeah, just little notes about you know what shape did they play, what formation, what was their what was their strengths, what were their weaknesses. So yeah, you're trying to nullify their strengths and expose their weaknesses. That's kind of a general thing. So yeah, like I said, if they've got a really good player plays wide, then you yeah make notes about it, and then you can figure out what's the best way to do all that. Yeah, notes is a, is a good idea. Definitely. Can you share any unique coaching techniques or drills that you find effective? So I wouldn't say there's a specific drill or technique that that's that I've used or anything that's been that's going to guarantee you win games or anything like that. But what I would say is, um, as a coach, everything should make sense. So how you how you want the team to play on the pitch, and that's obviously what you work on in your training sessions and things like that, right? So if you're going to play like a lot of the teams play, you know, like Man City or Liverpool, or, you know, possession football, if you want to track, if that's what you want to see on the pitch, then your practices, your sessions should reflect that. And you'll be working a lot on ball possession, things like that. What I see quite a lot is, um, I mean, everyone tries to play the same way almost now. Even Sunday League football, you see teams playing out from the back now, right? Everyone tries to play the same way. But I think if you used to go and watch some of their sessions, I don't think you would see that. I think you'd see... When the goalie's got the ball, you see the coach some of the time saying, "Yeah, go long, kick it long, boot, you know, boot, all that kind of old-fashioned stuff." So I think it's from a coach's point of view, whatever you want to see, that's what you want to practice. You know, you get good at the things that you want. You want to repeat the things you want to get good at, and then that will start to reflect on the football pitch. So, how do you handle, you know, pressure, making crucial decisions during an intense game, you know, such as? Yeah, I find that difficult. I find that really difficult. So it's quite an emotional game, right? You get quite in, quite involved emotionally and mentally. I kind of kind of go into a different sort of uh, different mindset when I'm when I'm coaching, especially if it's a big game and really concentrated. So it's difficult to for me. I find that really difficult to make. Yeah, you know, if someone gets injured, for example, okay, what who are we going to change? Do we need to change the shape and things like that? 
But I think the key thing to do with that is to, to try to, to take yourself away from the, take the emotion out for just for yeah. a little while. So you can kind of making notes again, going back to that, making notes during the games are helpful. And just having some time where you're come away from the, you know, being right on the touchline, almost kicking, kicking the balls for them. Come away from that. Have a discussion with somebody. I think that's helpful. If you've got another coach, you can you can talk with you and you can discuss different ideas, get their point of view as well. I think that's a key part to try to just detach emotionally just for a little while. I think you see that if you watch Premier League games, generally speaking, the coaches will be on the touchline in there, you know, as far as close as they can get to the pitch. But then you'll see them sometimes sitting down in discussions, making notes, figuring out what to do next. So it's just that taking the emotion out, coming away, and so you can think clearly. It's pretty difficult to think if you're sort of really involved. No, definitely, literally, like, you know, how you're saying that before you were a player, so you have that inner passion of, yeah. of football itself. So it's hard for you to just, um, you know, give your points, give your analysis, and sometimes your advice, but having someone, you know, next to you who has the same input and wants the team to win can probably give you some clear-minded advice or make you see a bit more clearly. Yeah, I think it's a good idea to have two types of coaches as well. And you see this in the Premier League. You won't, you won't have the whole coaching staff on the, the, uh, the area they're allowed in, the, the, the technical area. There'll be, you know, the head coach typically will stand there and then the rest will be sitting down, actually, pretty calm, you know, analysing. It's hard to be emotional and analyse at the same time. So I think having, yeah, at least one player who's maybe a bit more hands-on Naturally, they might want to be hands on. Trying let the players make their own decisions, but but then definitely having someone who's in the background, who's who's calmer, who's able to better analyze, and then like you said, someone who's clear minded, they'll, they'll have a better mind and would have seen things from a different perspective. What are some of the qualities that you look for in a potential you know player whilst you're recruiting? Yeah, so you obviously look at the technical ability, the physical ability, things like that. But number one, I mean, depends again what level you're coaching at as well. Um, so again, if it's grassroots, it's going to be, it should be different to if you're working at sort of development centres. I did a little bit of work for Palace at development centres. So there you're looking at potential, you know, in the future. I mean, it's, it can be quite young, but you're looking for potential future professional football players. But grassroots, not so much. But still, I think the underlying thing is is attitude for me. That underpins everything. You get players of amazing ability, even in the, kind of almost become, they get into the professional game and then they sort of just fade out. And I think a lot of that's to do with mentality and attitude. And I think going back to one of your questions you asked earlier about, um, uh, I forget what it was now, but we spoke about attitude a little bit earlier, didn't we? So... It's a massive part of the game and it underpins everything. You know, if you're today's football, you have to be the work ethic is, is you know, you don't have superstars in teams anymore. And you had PSG, for example, if you're into if you're into football, superstar football players, and obviously they do well in the French league, but in terms of Europe, they, they didn't win the European Cup, uh, the Champions League last few years, even though despite having Neymar and Messi and Players like that, you have to. It has to be a team. It has to be a real good work ethic, and you see that nowadays in football. So, attitude is underpins all of that. And then, of course, if you can get attitude and really high technical ability, physical attributes, and that's that's perfect. But most important thing for me is is yeah, attitude and, and 
you know, what, they, what they're going to they understand the team ethic, the team idea as well. And I think attitude rubs off, you know, on players. If one person mm. is maybe, you know, a little bit sour, let's say, the whole team can change its mindset very quick and, and you don't want that energy amongst the team unnecessarily. Oh, yeah, it's a great shout. Yeah, definitely, that's true. Yeah, <clears throat> if one player's, yeah, you know, it's going to upset other people. If one player's not kind of uh, joining in with the sort of idea that you're trying, you know, you're trying to create an environment for the whole team, you know, an environment and, and set standards, things like that, behaviour and attitude and stuff like that. If someone sort of goes beneath that, yeah, it does. It definitely affects other players. Other players might join in with that and might drag them down. Yeah. And you don't you don't need that. And it becomes a big problem and the atmosphere changes and then when you're losing, you won't see that when you're winning. It's a team if the boys are doing well and or the girls are doing well, you don't necessarily see that play out. But when things are tough during games, then you will start to see them sort of break up a little bit. That, that can start to creep in, yeah. Mm. What do you enjoy the most about being a football coach? So the, the, the biggest thing for me is just, uh, like I kind of mentioned, the little moments that you, you get when you've worked with individuals, with a team, and then you see the progression. That's kind of my favourite thing. That's, that's a real rewarding thing. And, and then the, the kind of other, the other part of it is the moments where, like I said, we won the league, which... I'm not obsessed with winning. I try not to, to make it. It's not about the coach, right? It's a big mistake I think coaches make, especially grassroots football. But for them, for the for the players, I think they would have really enjoyed that and they'll remember that. So that idea that I've had a, a small part to play in that, you know, in good memories being made, that's for me is, is the best thing. And I, so I remember being a player and having different experiences with different coaches, not always positive. You know, sometimes quite often feeling a little bit invisible, you know, not really important. Maybe I wasn't, maybe I wasn't one of the better players, but that shouldn't be the key thing, you know, it should be, it should be more than just that. So the idea that I can have an influence and make everyone feel like they're, they're playing a big part. And obviously you have, you have players that are better than others, but, you know, rewarding the whole, the whole group and it's not just the, the sort of the goals and the flashy parts that you that you celebrate you celebrate the unselfish runs off the ball and all that kind of stuff as well so yeah I, I love that the idea you can really give someone a positive experience that's what I love the most and there's so many highs and lows in the sports and um, you know it's such a united sport everyone has to kind of play together to win together so having that mindset and you know what doing what you're doing you're doing great there's so many people that are so happy to have you as a coach that you know that you give them so much genuine advice and then they can see it in their game and in their play it, it means that you're doing well and we can see it nice cool thanks yeah that's great that's the idea yeah little little things and even even if it's not even not even football related so if we're dealing with like the Carradine session that we, we both know about if, if we can just have just conversations, right? Just to talk to people. Even that might not be anything that I even help them improve on football-wise. Just someone else to talk to. With the with the with the boys, it, you know, they're young. Started like I said, under under eight, so they were seven, seven years old. It's as much a, for me developing characters as well. It underpins football, underpins performance, you know. So. Even, even more rewarding, I'd say, than, than even the football side of the development side of things on the football side. If you can develop people as well, really, really cool thing to be a part of. Oh, definitely. So the viewers know, um, just to give them an update, um, 
on Wednesdays, um, Aaron works with Caridon Foundation um, to do a football team to help um, vulnerable adults who have mental health and other disabilities and kind of we spread light on it. I go there to take some photos and kind of encourage the boys. So just having that facility and that organization there, we're ever so grateful just to spread some light and, you know, inform some people about it. Yeah, so we, <clears throat> well, during my, uh, some of the work I do for Palace for Life Foundation, we work with different organizations. So Caridon is, is an organization that we're, we're linked with and we work with. Uh, so they, they uh, put on a, a uh, mental health adult football session that we palace come and coach and deliver for them so weekly set well weekly but we, we get involved with other things with them as well talking about teamwork camp camaraderie and things like that that's a part of that but yeah we deliver weekly football sessions so the idea being i mean exercise one of the best things you can do in terms of improving mental health right massive massive you know massively helpful so we come and put a football session on for them they all they all enjoy football uh, same as me growing up, I'm sure there was all the same playing on the streets and stuff like that. So it's nice for them to come somewhere where they're familiar. They got they got friends there. You know, a lot of them have been coming the same people for quite a long time. So a nice safe environment where they feel like they can be comfortable enough to talk, talk to their 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 peers, the other players, but talk to us as well, like I mentioned, and just enjoy playing football. Just forget about any anxiety, any you know, release that sort of stress just for a couple of hours every week at least. Gives them something to look forward to. So I think that's that's really can be really helpful. It, it definitely is very helpful. So off that topic, you know, how do you prioritize the you know mental health of players and creating that safe place? Because we have you know the Wednesday session now. Throughout, mm. how do we create you know a safe environment? You know, a place where they can prioritize their mental health. Yeah. So really, I think this comes down to the coaches kind of setting the tone, trying to create a, an environment, <clears throat> and you do that whether you like it or not, I think, as coaches, as people. If we turn up and our body language is a certain way, if we're not very engaging, we don't really make any eye contact, no, don't bother, we're kind of, you know, just shouting instructions out, I think that that gives them a message, right? It says, it says something to them, whether you like it or not. So just the way you engage with people, I think the way you communicate, always try to, the first thing I do with the Caridon guys, the, the any sessions I'm um, uh Delivering is just first first few minutes, just say hello, shake hands, fist bump nowadays, whatever it is. How are you doing? You know, gives them a little opportunity to get something off their chest, possibly, or just that someone someone bothers to ask, right? So that environment, I think they're coming into that space where they know there's people here that have got a little bit of time for them. They're going to make a little bit of contact with them just to check in on them. Um, and just knowing that we're, we're there to, to listen as well as, as well as try and put on sessions that are fun. So I think the, the environment is the big part of that. And I've had lots of conversations with, with, with them. You know, you start off with how you've been, you know, what's new, that kind of chit-chat stuff, a little bit of banter and stuff that it, I get dragged into with them. But but enjoy that side of it as well, have a bit of fun with them. And then sometimes you'll get into more serious stuff, you know? Which, no, definitely. Yeah, it's the big, it's the big thing, right? Mental health, about talking and stuff, so... It's such a homely environment, and I what I enjoy about your sessions um, that you guys host is that um, there's so much structure to it. You know, like you said, you start off with you know warming up, saying hi to everyone, socializing, and then from there it's like okay, let's do our drills before we go into an actual game. So there's a lot of structure to it. So when you go, you enjoy it because it's like okay, cool, 
I'm going to have my little workout, I'm going to still socialize mm. with everyone, but have a really good session um, for that two hours. No, that's good. Yeah, obviously, Michael's a big part of that. Michael Harrington works for the foundation as well. Um, yeah, so we, I mean, if I think the boys probably would love, and sometimes we get ladies come down, would love just to go straight into a game, probably, right? So <laughs> some of them, some of them turn up late accidentally on purpose, just so they get to the game part, which is, I understand that. But yeah, we want to try to always try and develop them, yeah, football wise as well. So we'll there'll always be a topic, we'll always try and develop something, always be time to socialize initially a little bit of fun um get everyone comfortable and then yeah we'll be working on something quite tactical at times especially if we've got tournaments coming up things like that we'll work on on tactics on shape but otherwise we're working on technical things you know shooting attacking defending all different stuff and then obviously the game is the, is the big part for them i think they enjoy that the most but if we went into a game at the beginning for two hours i think i don't think it would work as well yeah, and you see it in certain players, the first session of them doing the drills and everything, and when they go into the game, you can see them using the skills that they've learned, but they won't accept it, but they are using it. Yeah, the yeah, no, that's the idea, obviously. Yeah, you know, the, the stuff we do before is is to, it should be all relevant to the game, right? It should be stuff they can use in the game. So, yeah, that's about developing players as well. So. Yeah, but sometimes we'll work on things. Sometimes we'll work on something and they'll do it really well in the session, in the in the practice, and then you go into the game, you'll be like they have just completely abandoned it. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But sometimes you'll see the connection, yeah, and you think, oh, actually, you can see, you know, the the, the, the things we spoke about during the the practice part of the, them expressing in the in the game. So that's, that's improving them as players. That's really cool. Yeah. So how do you address the stigma surrounding mental health in the sports world? I think talking is the best thing. So again, creating that environment. So creating an environment where we, we make contact with them. So you're breaking down barriers straight away. There's no sort of big distance between the coach and the players, right? You're shaking hands, you're, you're asking them how they're doing. So that that is sort of just creating that, that uh, safe environment. And that's the first thing I think. Letting them know is this is a safe place you can talk. Um, if there was anyone that needed to talk in more depth, no problem. There's, 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 we'd go off and have a little walk with them if they wanted to go somewhere private, go and just have a little walk around the pitch, have a chat. I think they know that. So the best way to break, I think, as a society, we're doing it much better now. I remember talking to people about this, and when I was when I was young, which is a long time ago, there was no talk of a uh, I don't remember the term mental health at all when I was, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten playing football. I don't remember it. So definitely we've understood, you know, the the, the challenges people face. We're kind of destigmatizing that and it's not just that it's not a weakness, right? If someone's struggling, it's not a weakness, it's just life gets people like that. So just allowing people to talk, that's the first thing. It's okay not to be okay, right? That's the yeah. first thing. I think that will just naturally sort of destigmatize things, and, and yeah, that's that's the that's the way to break it down. Just communication, talking. I think. Hundred percent. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming onto my podcast and answering all the questions. I genuinely really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Like I said, really happy to get involved. I really love what you're doing. Sounds like it's it's, it's growing. So yeah, really, really happy to be involved. So thanks for asking me to get involved and, and share some of my experiences and things. Hopefully it's helpful. But yeah, thanks a lot.
Thank you. Thank you so much to everyone for tuning in. Till next time, stay tuned. Take care.